welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Wednesday the 23rd of February 2011, entitled, Not I, But Christ. And the Bible reading is taken from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. I hope and pray that this song will be a, a blessing and will kind of prepare us for uh, what God wants uh, to speak to us about tonight. So we want to be an encouragement to you. Hope this song will be. Thank God for you, and I appreciate all of you being here. I always uh, am, am, am so humbled and privileged to be here at Bethel. Uh, I feel sometimes, because I know how my own people can be at home, uh, I can wear them out in a month. 
I've been with you dear folk for 10 years now, two weeks out of every year, and I'm sure that uh, I can wear you out. Uh, uh, sometimes I know it's kind of difficult to, uh, to understand because I do try to slow down. I really do try to slow down my, my preaching. But sometimes I can't contain what's inside of me, so it gets a little faster and faster. And some people say, you know what, we, we get to about three-quarters of the way through, and it's very difficult to, to catch everything. So I hope and pray uh, that, I, that, that I don't need an interpreter. Um, uh, but I thank God for the people here at Bethel. This, this church is uh, one, of the, one of the most precious places that we go and preach anywhere on the face of this earth. And I thank God for this place. And I think that sometimes... Uh, we grow accustomed to God's blessing, and we don't really appreciate what we have until it's gone. And so I hope and pray that uh, you never grow cold uh, to what you have in this place right here. Uh, this is a melting pot church uh, where you've got about every ethnic, ethnicity represented. Uh, it's an amazing thing. You don't see this in America a lot. You only see it if you do. It's mostly military churches. So, uh, But uh, I thank God for Bethel. You glad to be here tonight? Say amen. All right, good. Uh, turn to Galatians chapter number 2 and look at verse number 20. Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 20. I'll tell you, I thank God for your pastor. Uh, I have found this out about Pastor Larry, that if he ever does, Peter, retire, which I don't think you ever retire from the ministry you just retread. <laughs> Amen. I don't think you retire. I just think you retread. But if he ever does... I don't know, but somebody told me if he ever does and they have to replace him here, it'll take three men, one hostage negotiator, two mules, and a badger to replace him. That's how, that's how hard and he works and how sometimes, well, never mind. Anyway, I appreciate him. I love him to death. He's my friend, and I thank God for his leadership here, and I'm so humbled that he would have me back. And uh, I thank God for that. I'm glad my family's with me, and I'm so glad that you're here. Elaine, I'm glad you got here safely. Amen. I love, I love you, and uh, we thank God for you and your family. Uh, thank God, Tony, you're here tonight. I appreciate you coming, brother. I do. And uh, so many others, uh, you know, I'm glad that you're here. Members, uh, uh, visitors are welcome, but members are expected to be here. Amen. So thank God for you being here. Galatians chapter number 2, look at verse number 20. Andrew, good to see you, brother. And uh, I want you to look at what Paul says. Paul tells the church in Galatia, he says, I am crucified with Christ. I ought to stop right there and preach a message, but I'm not. I have often wondered why one of the most unusual things about the Christian life is in order for you to live, Carl, you have to die. In order for you to be exalted, you have to be humbled. In order for us to see God bless, we have to give away. And, and you know, it is kind of strange sometimes, isn't it, Chris, it, that God does things the way He does. I, you know, we don't serve a strange God. We serve a miraculous God. We serve one that sometimes is even hard to explain with human words. I, I don't know how to explain God. I mean, you say He's like something, but He really ain't like anything. He's God. But right here, Paul tries to address the church, and he says, I am... I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, now here, here's a perfect, if you want to look at a spiritual dichotomy, he said, I'm crucified, and most of us in this room and everybody in Galatia knew what crucifixion was. 
He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm not dead. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not Christ, listen, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. You know, it's a very difficult thing to go on the streets of any city, much less Birmingham, and tell somebody that God loves them and they look at you. You won't get this colloquialism, but you, they'll look at you like a deer in headlights. You know, somebody loves me, and I don't even know who they are. I've never met them. I've never physically touched them. But yet that person knows me, knows me, and not only knows me, but loves me. I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about how much he loves us. The central truth of the whole gospel is this. Who loved me, and the last part of the verse, Peter, he said he, he loved me enough to put action to it and not just say words. He loved me and gave himself for me. I want to preach a message to you tonight entitled, Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. You know, I used to think that the four most mysterious words in the Bible, Peter, used to be, to die is gain. It's hard for people to understand how a person could say, it's gain for me to leave this life via the grave of the rapture. It's gain for me. Because we enjoy life. I pretty much like it. I'm not looking to want to die tonight. <laughs> I'd like to finish this meeting, get on a plane, and hopefully land that thing back in America. But listen, folks, we love life. But can I say this? This life that I now live, I don't live it unto myself. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I believe it was Winston Churchill that made this statement, Panos. He said, the, the price of greatness is responsibility. One of the greatest statesmen that you ever had and we had as a human race said, the listen, the price of greatness is responsibility. What is our responsibility as a child of God? Now, this is all by way of introduction, but let me just give you a few things. When God left us here, now listen, we as God's people, if God wanted it to, He could have just taken us a moment that we trusted Him and just taken us on to heaven. Am I a little loud? Because I'll probably get louder. I don't want to, I don't want to, anyway. When God left us here, listen, He left us here for a purpose. May I say this, folks, that God has put us in, He's put us in places of responsibility and allowed arenas of responsibility to come into our life. And listen, not only with those responsibilities come a task, but also come privileges. As a, listen, as a born-again believer, I've been adopted into the family of God. There are, res listen, responsibilities with that sonship, but there's also great privileges. I'll tell you what's the problem in most people's lives, and I'm not just talking about Christians, I'm talking about the whole world, is we want the privileges without all the responsibilities. You know what kills me is these guys, and I don't mean to pick on the guys, but this is what really gets me that a guy would take advantage and want the privilege with a so-called girlfriend. I don't mean to, to, to upset anybody, but to have the privileges of a girlfriend and then go so far as to take advantage of them 
And that woman become great with child and give birth to a baby, but yet that young man won't take responsibility to take care of that baby. Hey, listen, he's not a steward. He's scum if he does that. Yeah, I said it. It's time, folks, if we're going to, listen, if we want the privileges of this life, we need to understand the responsibilities of it. You say, well, preacher, that's just talking about life in general. Let me tell you something. It's a greater thing to be a born-again believer, a Christian, and know the responsibilities you have, and not only that, but the privileges of it. God has entrusted you with some errors in your life. Listen, you have to. Listen, I'm not saying this is an option. I'm saying this is an obligation. God has entrusted in your life some arenas, some areas that you are to be steward over. Now, this is all my way of introduction. I'm going somewhere, okay? I promise you, the, the first area that you've been given that God has made you a steward over or He's entrusted in your life is the time of your life. James says, listen, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What's your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. To him that knows to do good with the time that God's gave him and doesn't do good with it, to him it is sin. Let me say this, folks. You've been given 1,440 minutes a day to live. Now, let me just give you, just show you a few t numbers in a study I did. If we have 1,440 minutes in a day, study says this. Study says that we spend 480 minutes of that time sleeping a day. 160 minutes, get this, eating. 60 minutes of that day we spend starting our day, getting ready. Now, men, we don't have that much of a problem, but ladies, I'm just treading lightly right here. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to go there. But 60 minutes is an average, give or take three hours. 60 minutes ending our day. That means getting your teeth brushed, getting, to, you know, ever, getting the kids ready for bed, and another 60 minutes going to and from work. Now, in a city like this, it could be a little bit more than that. But let's just say give or take a few minutes. Do you know how much that adds up to, Andrew? 800 minutes in a day. That only leaves 640 minutes. That's about 10 hours. And what are you going to do with those 10 hours? God has entrusted an arena in your life called time, and you know what? You are to be a steward of that. You have been given responsibility over that time, and what are you going to do with it? Ten hours, really, basically, is all we got left. How many of you ever heard a guy by the name of Rich Mullins? Rich Mullins wrote, I mean, when he was, he was born in 1955 in Indiana, uh, raised in a Quaker uh, home and, and brought up through there. He got saved when he was about 18 years of age. In 1985, he began to write uh, 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 music. He was a wonderful, uh, wonderful word writer. I mean, he'd write words, but he, the, most, um, the most popular song that we know by him is Our God is an Awesome God. Rich Mullins, let me tell you something about him. Rich Mullins would sometimes go to his concerts, Andrew, and nothing but bare feet and not shaven. He did not want to make everybody think that he was something he wasn't. Listen, he, he went and, and basically every penny, listen to this folks, every penny that he gave went to his church. They paid him a small salary. He was, he was known in his circles in the late 80s as an eccentric. You can translate that probably a follower of Christ. He gave away everything he had. 
Most people don't know this, but the last 12 years of his life, Panos, he spent on a Navajo reservation in America teaching kids how to play the guitar and how to play the piano, and he led them to Christ. Let me tell you something. That man, when he was 41 years of age, was going to a benefit concert that he was going to sing, Tenica, and him and his friend uh, got ran off the road. Their car flipped. It threw him out. A truck swerved, a semi-articulate lorry. Y'all like that? I did good, didn't I? Uh, went across uh, two lanes of traffic and to try to swerve to miss the car but did not see that Rich Mullins was laying in the road and ran over him and killed him just right there. You know what I submit to you? That Rich Mullins' life was not a waste. Because he lost it at 41 years of age. Rich Mullen affected a lot of people's lives. And can I say this, ladies and gentlemen? One of the areas that God has entrusted to us is time. Hey, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about when you talk about tithing? Do you know you need to tithe your time? Need to tithe your time? I agree. We got to tithe our time. We won't talk about money, but let's listen to, listen to this. If you've been a steward and entrusted in this arena, this area, you need to tithe it. Tithe your time. That means, you know what? You're right for being here tonight. Y'all like doing this. You won't say nothing. Everybody's going, I guess that means glory in English. But listen, folks, listen, we've been, we've been given time. But let me say this, there's many of you in this room, let me correct myself, all of you in this room have been given an area that you are a steward over, and it's called talents. Talents. Everybody's been given a talent. Had a guy come to me one time, and he said, Preacher, I can't preach like you, but I've been called in the ministry, and this was just two summers ago at a camp. He said, but I'm 45. If I go to Bible college right now, it'll take me 10 years to get done because it can't take but about six hours a semester. He said, I'll, I won't get out of Bible college till I'm 55. I'll be too old. I looked at him and I said, let me ask you a question. Okay, if you go to Bible college and it takes you 10 years to finish, you're going to be 55, right? Yep. I said, well, if you don't go to Bible college, how old are you going to be? Hello? He said, 55, duh. I said, well, here's the point. Ten years is ten years. You gonna sit there and say, what if the rest of your life are you gonna do something? Everybody in this room's got talents. Every single person. Ma'am, you've got a talent that I may not have. I've got a talent that Carl doesn't. I, that guy can draw now, I'm telling you. That guy is a artist. Tyler, you play the the guitar as good as anybody I've ever met in my life. But you know what? I wish I could do... Let me, let me correct that. I probably don't wish it because I know how long you have to practice and I know how long my son's had to practice to get to where he's at. I don't think I want to play the guitar that good. I don't think I want to put that kind of time into it. But see, everybody's got talents. Are you going to use them for the glory of God? I've got a friend who went to conservatory and learned how to play the piano better than they did before they went. They were unbelievable. They played in, in, in Indianapolis Symphony. Do you know what? When he was in Indianapolis playing for the symphony there, he had a friend invite him to a missions conference. He went to that missions conference, and he's already saved, Peter, but you know what? During that missions conference, he got, he got a burden, and he got convicted about serving the Lord full time, and he surrendered to God's service. And do you know what? To this day, that man could be making millions of dollars playing the piano, but now he is in a little country in South America teaching kids how to play on a 
a 60-key keyboard. You know what? They ain't probably a lot of people even know who he is now. But I can tell you this, Jesus Christ knows exactly who he is. Cicely, see, see folks, it's not I, but Christ. There's areas. Listen, time, talent. Uh, let me go ahead and meddle. There is treasure. Hello. Say, preacher, I ain't got a lot of it. I didn't ask you that. Are you giving to God what's rightfully His? Now, let me just stop right here. And the preacher didn't ask me to do this. He didn't even pay me to say this. But I'm going to say it anyway. Do you know that tithing is not giving? Tithing is returning. But we got a lot of people that says, well, I give. No, you don't. If you've tithed, you've just returned. May I say this? When that little lad brought his lunch to Jesus, and there were two fishes and five loaves. By the way, a loaf wasn't what we think, you know. <laughs> Y'all got some great big bread in England, I'm telling you. I, I wish our bread was that big. It's not. I can make four sandwiches out of y'all's bread. Would it take me, you know, I really, out of two pieces of bread, I can make four. I can make it last all day. But, but, but loaves back then were little bitty biscuits, almost like a, those scones you brought the other day. Is that, did I say it right? Did I? Say amen. Good. About that big. That lad brought that to Jesus. And guess what, folks? Can I just give you a principle? And I'm not preaching right now. I'm just talking to you. Here's a principle in the Bible. In order for God, let me tell you something. In order for something to be multiplied, we won't, listen, Ecclesiastes 11.1 says, Cast your bread upon the waters, and you will find it after many days. You know what that means? That means that, you know what? Sometimes it's going to take a little bit for the return. But let me tell you something. The dividends of giving to Jesus Christ, listen, you'll clip coupons for eternity if you give to Jesus Christ. Here's a, here's a principle. The only way something will be multiplied is, number one, if it's blessed. Jesus took the two fish and the five loaves. He blessed it, prayed, broke it, gave it to the disciples. May, may I say this? It's not only multiplied when it's blessed, Peter, but when it's given away. The miracle did not happen in Jesus' hand. The miracle happened when he gave it and put it in the disciples' hands. Hello. Isn't that amazing, Carl? And they gave out and it said to 5,000 men. Now, by the way, if half of them were married and the other half, uh, half of that that were married had two children, you're looking at about 15,000 people. And he fed the whole crowd, by the way, had so much left over that each disciple had a basket full after they's done out of two fish and five loaves. You've heard this said before. People come up and say, Preacher, I'm telling you, this ain't a time in my life where I can afford to give. You've heard it said. I'll say it again. You can't afford not to give. We've got, listen, We've got to understand, here's what it is, folks. God has given us areas of life to oversee. One of them is time. The other one's talent. The third one's treasure. Can I say this? God don't want your money. He wants you first. That's, what the, that's the situation that was going on in the church in Corinth. It said that God was pleased because they given themselves first. You give yourself. Then you give your substance. Proverbs 3 says, listen. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. God hates leftovers. Don't give him leftovers. Don't pay all your bills. Now, listen, all of this is, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to make you love Jesus, okay? 
But don't say, I'm going to pay all my bills and then whatever's left over, I'll tithe on that. No, you give God what's rightfully His. You tithe, return to God what's His. Would you rather have 100% of what you make and not God's blessing on your life or 90% of what you make and have the hand of God on your life? Now, I'll just go ahead and stop on that point because some of you look like you need some Pepto-Bismol or something because you're getting a sick stomach because I'm talking about money. No, I know the people here. I'm just playing. Kind of. There's a couple of you that still look like you're kind of mad about it. But anyway. Time, talent, treasure. And here's another one. There's one more area. And I must say it. And this is where even angels don't even prod sometimes. You've been entrusted with a temple. Temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says, What know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile this temple, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now before you start going, Boy, preach it, preacher. All them people out there drinking and doing drugs. and You know what? We got a lot of people that's committing suicide with a fork and a knife. I thought I saw somebody throw something. Huh? We want to talk about everybody that's on drugs and on alcohol and it's depressed and everything. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of Baptists that I know, especially in America, that are committing suicide by what they put in their body too. Now, I'm not saying that we can't go out and have a Big Mac once in a while. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I like it. But when you have four uh, at each sitting, three times a week, don't expect to look like Jack LaLanne, all right? I'm just telling you. You say, preacher, why are you mentioning all this by way of introduction? I ain't even gotten my message yet. I ain't even gotten my message yet. You say, preacher, why are you mentioning all this? Because listen, folks, if we understand that we're a steward, we're an overseer, Peter, we've got to understand this one concept, that it's not us, we need Him more than we ever, ever needed Him in our life. We need Him. See, we can't do this in and of ourselves. We have to have His power to do it, Chris. That's why I want to preach about not I, but Christ. Why did Paul make this statement to the church in Galatia? Here was a church that had had people come into their midst and try to mingle law and grace. And By the way, when, that, when you try to mingle both of those, there's nothing wrong. Listen, the law is not evil. The law was given to us to be a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. We need that. We need to know that the law. We need to know that we can't even measure up to the law. But can I say this? That's why it says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. We need the grace of God. But the only way you'll have that is through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. Not I, but Christ. Why could Paul say, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You know why Paul had such a, such a passion and he had such boldness and he had such assurance to know that God was in control and God was for him? He said to the church in Rome, he said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Can I say this tonight and announce to you by the authority of this book, and it ain't nothing that I have made up, that listen, me and God are a majority. 
Gone are the days, folks, that we're going to sit in our little corner and live in our little glass houses and come out for about five seconds, give the gospel, run back in, and just live our lives. Listen, the only way that you're going to be effective in somebody's life is to get close to them. Only way. How could Paul say, not I but Christ? I'll tell you why. First part of the verse says, I am crucified. What's that preposition? Now, I know y'all know the English language better than I do. Come on now. Y'all the ones that it's, it started here, all right? I am crucified. Say it. With Christ. Can I say this? The first reason he had assurance, Peter, the first reason he had boldness, because he knew that the Lord was present with him. He was present with him. He said these words and in Hebrews, well, I don't know if he wrote Hebrews or not, but I just, I have my opinions. I think he did. You know, somebody asked me one time, they said, why do you think that he wrote the book of Hebrews? Well, I, I'll be honest, it's because I don't think he'd write an odd number. I think he'd write an even number book. If he didn't write Hebrews, he wrote 13. If he wrote Hebrews, he wrote 14. So I'm just going to go ahead and just stick with 14. Amen. No, I'm just saying, listen, he said, the Lord is my helper and I can come boldly under the throne and say that. Because why? He said, because he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus said it in Matthew 28, 20 before he went to heaven. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even in the end of the world. David said it in Psalm 46, verse 1. He said, O God, thou art my God. Thou art my refuge and strength. A very present help. A very present help in the time of trouble. Paul said it this way. He said, only Demas. He said, only Luke is with me. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he said, there was a time when they wanted to throw me in jail, persecute me, and they hated my guts. He said, but the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. In that prison, he had God's presence. In that water, being shipwrecked a day and a night in the deep, he had God's presence. On the scourging block, he had God's presence. And even when, listen, even when he stood in a Mamertine prison and he knew he was going to lose his head, Pastor, he had God's presence with him. Everybody knows the story about the three Hebrew children. They were thrown in the midst of that fire and Nebuchadnezzar said, did we not throw three men bound in the fire? And the ones that hit it seven times hotter had already died, but the other servants came up and they said, true, O king, we only throw three men in there. Nebuchadnezzar looked in there and he said, wait a minute, I see four men loosed in the midst of the fire. And let me tell you something, folks. He said, and I'm almost positive. Now I'm paraphrasing, read between the black lines, but I think, I really think that when he said, why don't y'all come out? I can only imagine that them three Hebrew children looked at, the, looked at King David Knezzar and probably did this. Uh-uh. Come on in and get me. You want to know the only thing that burned off of them? Was what bound them. Isn't that amazing? They walked out of that fire, Peter, and the only thing that was burnt off of them, not even a hair on their head, was singed, but the shackles were burnt off. And I always thought about this, and it didn't, it didn't dawn on me to last year, Panos. When those three Hebrew children walked out of that fire, if they saw four, where's the fourth man? I'll tell you where he's at, Tony. 
Jesus is still in the fire for me, for you. He stayed in the fire. I'm sure there were times when, Je when there were Peter going, uh, people that were going to be thrown in prison for their, Lord, for their, their, their faith in Christ. And I'm sure there were many times when they spoke to the Lord and said, Oh, God, you've got to deliver me out of this. I don't want to get in. I'm in trouble. Will you get me out of trouble? And I don't mean to make a, a pun out of it, but I, believe, I bet Jesus spoke to him and said, I want to get in trouble with you. Huh. You know what? Jesus will jump right in the midst of your trouble and your trial. He'll be right there and He'll be present with you. His name was Nathan Barlow. Not a lot of people know who he is. He spent 60 years in the ministry. 60 years in the ministry in the country of Ethiopia. He was a medical doctor. Can I tell you what he did? He treated people that had a, a, a disease called mossy foot. Mossy foot is a debilitating disease that uh, uh, it makes boils and sores come up about, about to, your, uh, to your knees. And then what takes place is it almost becomes leprous in appearance. And this medical doctor spent his whole life treating people in Ethiopia with mossy foot. It happens to people that work around where uh, the soil of volcanic origin. Spent 60 years on the mission field. The last time he came home, he came home because he had a, a major, major tooth problem. You know what he did, Andrew? He came home, he told his daughter, he said, we're going to the dentist and they're going to take care of these teeth. She said, you only got one tooth that's a problem. He said, no. He said, we're going to take care of these teeth. Let me tell you what he did. He went to the dentist and he said, I want you to pull every tooth I have. I want false teeth because I don't want anything else to bring me off the field and keep me away from doing work for Jesus Christ. At that time, he was 65 years of age. Pulled all of his teeth, gave him about five days to recuperate. They put false teeth in, put him back on a plane. He went to Ethiopia. And let me say this, folks. He died there. And listen, when he got there, there was a major, I don't know what it was. His daughter wrote a book about him. But there was a major sports team. I don't know if it was a football team or if it was a, a baseball team or some kind of major, major sports team that was getting on that plane before they left and he was a part of it. But you know what? They were there with fanfare and all the fans were there and they were just worshiping this team. And Nathan Barlow walked in with one little bag and a set of false teeth to go back and work with people who have mossy foot. Nobody applauded. Nobody clapped when he got on that plane, Peter. But I can almost imagine as he died, they buried him in the sand of Ethiopia. That in heaven, Jesus Christ, I don't care. Listen, it don't matter if the rest of the world applauds us. All that matters is when we get to heaven, we hear Jesus say, I'm delighted in you. That's all that matters. Can I ask you something? Is God that present with you? This man didn't want to come off the field and had every tooth in his head pulled so he would not be delayed and detracted from doing the work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you all something. That makes me want to get on my face right now and pray and beg God to forgive me. And I get a little hangnail and I suck my thumb. Oh, it hurts. You know, I just, it, I, we're just babies sometimes, aren't we? Let me tell you how Paul could say, not I, but Christ, because God was present with him. Let me say, number two, that God was powerful through him. God was powerful through him. He was not only Tyler present with him, but he was powerful through him. 
You say, what do you mean? He told the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter number 4, verse 13. I, repeat it with me after I say it the first time. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let's say it again. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let me tell you what cockiness is. Cockiness is saying, I can do all things. But confidence is saying, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He told the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verses 9 and 10, he said, I besought the Lord thrice that he'd take away this thorn in the flesh, which was a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And God said, Andrew, every time he asked him to take it away, he said, no. He said, for my grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Can I ask you something? How urgent are you about having God's power on your life? Because I promise you this. If you humble yourself and ask God to do it, I promise you He'll do it. But He's looking for a humble vessel. He's looking for somebody to say, God, I can't, but thank God you can. I'm, he's looking for a servant, pastor, that will not worry about... Listen, and, and we all, we all get concerned, and I know that. We live in a... Listen, we're living in a day and age where we're seeing economic crisis. We're seeing stuff going on in northern Africa. We're seeing Iranian ships come up the Suez Canal right past Israel into Syria. Folks, we're seeing stuff that we've never seen before in our life. But can I tell you, you can, you can take good courage tonight and you can lay your head on the pillow and you can sleep the peace of God because I checked this morning in my prayer closet and God is still alive. He was powerful through him. But number three, he was precious to him. I am crucified with Christ. He was present with him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He said, I'm not, he's not only present with me, he's powerful through me. But then Paul said, he's precious to me. He said, the life, Andrew, that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's precious. That's precious. My Aunt Sarah, well, she's my great aunt. She's my grandfather's last, was the last surviving sister. She passed away three weeks ago. When I used to travel through the area where I was raised, uh, she was at a nursing home, and I used to go there. And Andrew, I'll never forget the first time I went to, to visit her, which was about six years ago when she got there. When I walked in the room, this is what's amazing about this lady. She never failed to remember everybody's birthday in our family. She could remember everybody's birthday. She got glaucoma. She lost her eyesight, Tony. But I'm telling you, I don't know how she knew it. She couldn't see no closer than me and my wife in peripheral vision. She couldn't look at you straight on and know who you are. She'd get this close and she could see you. I would walk down the hall, and of course, I always wear, you know, wingtips when I'm going to visit, and they make, they sound like women's heels sometimes. <laughs> don't get alarmed. I don't cross-dress. But anyway, I'm, I'm walking down the hallway, Tony. I get right to the door and my great aunt said, hey, Brian, it's good to hear from you. I ain't said a word. She just knows it's me. That scared me. I'm like, man, I know the Lord's the only one that's omniscient and omnipresent. Boy, she's close. I went to visit her. And I guess it was the last time, two, the second time before, before she died, I went to her room. She had a chair pulled up beside of her bed. I said, uh, Aunt Sarah, I said, you getting a lot of company? She said, no, not a lot of people come by to see me anymore. 
She said, but you know what? I know, and she, she said this to me, Peter. She said, I know. I know the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and He's inside of me, and I have the third person of the Trinity living inside of me as a believer. She said, but there's just something about having this chair right here. So when I go to bed, I've got a place right here where my Lord, and it just helps me understand and remind me that He's always here. But it's just precious to me, Brian, to know that He's in here, here with me. And this chair is just a reminder that He's right here with me. She said, when I go to bed, He tucks me in. When I wake up, He says, good morning, Sarah. When I pray, He's right here to listen to me. And she said, and I made this statement at the nursing home last Saturday, Chris. My Aunt Sarah, the last time I saw her was about six months ago before she passed away. Rivka, she looked at me and she said, Brian, they tell me I've got dementia. She said, I can't remember anybody's birthday anymore. She said, I can't even write my name. I hadn't been able to read my Bible in five years. And she said, I'm afraid that there will be a day when I might forget who my God is. I looked at my great aunt, and I'll tell you what I told her. Malcolm, I said, there may be a day, Aunt Sarah, that you forget who he is. But there'll never be a day where he'll ever forget who you are. Ever. How precious he is to us. It says, yea, more than silver or gold, than much fine gold. He's precious and sweeter than the honeycomb to us. He was present with Paul. He was powerful through Paul. He was precious to Paul. But number four, and I must be done. We're slipping away with time. The last thing is the last part of the verse. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Not only did Paul have boldness, and he had assurance because the Lord was present with him. The Lord was powerful through him. The Lord was precious to him. But number four, that God was the provision for him. It was his portion. Said, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 21. Said, and he hath made him to be sin for us. Can I just... Can I just ask y'all to think about this for a minute? He made Him, God made Jesus Christ sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now can I ask y'all something? Does that really make sense to you? I mean, can you really con conceive all of that just by reading one verse? Can I tell you something? No less than 300 things happened to you the day you got saved by the grace of God. You, came a, you became a joint heir. You were adopted in the family of God. But as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. By the way, ladies, you're a daughter of God. So married men, watch how you're treating God's daughter. Amen. I'm preaching to myself. Don't y'all look at darts at me like that. But He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Paul told the church, he said, you know what? He said, there's times in my life that James, I want to do things that I know I ought to do. That I know I ought not to do. He said, there's things that I do that I know I ought not do. There's things that I don't want to do that I know I do. He finally came to the end of the whole 
thing. And he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this old dead body, this body of this death? And it hit him. It hit him, Pastor. He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Have you really understood and fathomed this whole, this whole truth that God loved you so much that He gave heaven's best for you? This I'm done. There's a, a book out called Tortured for His Faith. It's about a Bulgarian pastor. His name was Norman Popov. When he was, well, when his daughter, his daughter wrote the book, but when he was about 38 years of age, he was put in prison in Bulgaria for his faith. He was tortured unmercifully. When his daughter saw him dragged out of the house, she was six years of age. When he got out, she was 18 and already had a child. He missed, a, he missed his whole daughter's adolescent years and he missed the birth of his own grandbaby. When he got out, she interviewed him because she was a publicist. She wanted to write a book about him. He made this statement. He said, when they put me in prison, he said, the only way that I had to communicate with people in that prison was through our cups, our tin cups, that they would put some, sometimes they would be maggot-infested bread. They would give us water that was to be shared by four or five different people, about that much in the bottom of it. It had penicillin growing all over the top of it. He said when we were in that prison, he said the only communication was we, we, hooked up, we hooked up with each other and we got this Morse code that we would beat on the floors and beat on the, the, the bars and we would make Morse code and that's how, we, that's how we communicated. For 15 years they did that. And that man was in prison for doing nothing more than what me and Pastor Larry and what we do when we go out to the city center on Saturday. And he was put in prison for his faith. Pastor, he said, I had no... Bible. I had no pastor. I had no church. I had no Christian friends in there. He said, I was all alone and I had nothing. His daughter began to put a period and go to the next page. And he said, stop, I'm not done. He said, but I might not have had a nothing. He said, but really I had everything. He said, because I had Jesus. Can I ask you all a question? How close is your relationship with Christ? Is it close enough that if you spent 15 years in a prison, you didn't have a Bible, you didn't have a pastor to call, you didn't have deacons to call, you didn't have a church to go to, you didn't have any Christian friends, all you had to do was beat on some bars and carry a Morse code to people to communicate with, you didn't get anything to eat but maggot-infested bread and some stagnant water. Let me ask you something. Could you say after 15 years, without no bitterness, no reservation in your heart, could you say, I had everything because I had Him? I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus Since I found in Him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how He changed my life completely He did something that no other friend could do Every day He comes to me with new assurance more and more I understand His words of love. But I'll never know just why He came to save me. 
Till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Hey, he's powerful. He's always present. He it can't listen. He can be the most precious thing to you more than silver or gold in any amount of a paycheck you could receive. You want to know why? It's because he was the provision for us on Calvary's tree. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. Tonight I want to ask a question as Miss Amber moves to the piano. I want to ask her to just start playing softly. Whatever the invitation hymn is, just whatever God leads, leads you to play, Amber, you just go ahead and start playing whenever you want to. But I want to ask a question tonight. You're in this room and you'd say, Preacher, I know I've been crucified with Christ and I know I don't live in and of myself. I know Christ liveth in me. And I could raise my hand right now that I'm assured I know not because of what I feel, but because of what God said to me, and I received it as a free gift. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I were to die tonight, I'd be in heaven. I can raise my hand right now. I know I'm born again. No, I'm on my way to heaven. Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. If you do know, God bless you, you can put it up and then put it back down. Thank you. Are you in this building tonight? And you'd say, preacher, there's some real concerns in my mind about my spiritual condition, and I want you to pray for me. I don't know if I'd go to heaven if something happened to me tonight, but I want to. I want to go, but I'm just not sure I would. And I would just like for you to pray for me. There's nobody looking around, but you would say, Preacher, will you pray for me? Anybody like that? Just put it up and then put it back down. Say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if something happened to me tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Before I pray, anywhere. I'm not sure if something happened to me tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to go. And I want you to pray for me. I'll be praying for those that raise their hand. They're not sure they're saved. Let me ask you something tonight. Have you realized that God's given you time, talent, treasure, and your temple? Have you been using that because it's not you but Him and you're letting Him live His life through you? If so, realize this. He's always present. He's always powerful. He's your provision. But can I ask Him how precious is He to you? Father, in Jesus' name, I commend this time into your hands. Father, meet with your people. I pray that you would stir hearts. And God, if there's one here that's in church but not in Christ, Lord, I pray that they would come to the altar, come to the altar in their heart, right where they're standing, and ask you to save them before it's eternally too late. We'll love you and praise you for what you do tonight. Thank you, Lord, that it's not us, but it's all of you. And we'll love and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.